hello, friends. If we haven't met yet, which I feel like I've met at least 99% of you, um, but if we haven't met yet, my name is Nancy, and I am an intern here with Chi Alpha this year. <laughs> or at least I am the intern with Chi Alpha this year. <laughs> if you come to the Chi Alpha, you know, intern interest meeting, we can have bigger classes in the future. It'll be great. Okay, so a little about me is that I came to Central in 2016 solely for the ASL minor. And then I uh, had to pick a major immediately because I did Running Start and was technically a junior and had no idea what I was doing with my life. So I picked Communication Studies. Um, and with that, I got that degree. I graduated in 2019. Um, and now we're here. I am the youngest of four children. I have three older brothers, if that tells you anything about me. And as a, uh, as a child, I did not really go to like church. My family is very nominally Christian, but I did go to a Christian school. So I grew up knowing about God, but not truly knowing him until I came here to Chi Alpha, and I learned about having a personal relationship with him. Two weeks ago, Tim gave us an awesome message on 1 Peter 2, 13 through 3, 7. And he broke down for us the different groups of people that Peter was talking to in that passage. And he went, um, what he meant when he talked to each of those groups. So Peter had specific instructions for people like slaves, wives, and husbands, how they ought to act and how their personal relationship with God ought to affect their lives. This ultimately boiled down to living and acting like Jesus, no matter the circumstances. Tonight, we're going to be going through 1 Peter 3, 8 through 22, where Peter now resumes talking to the group of believers at large. But first, can I get my Bible passes to come up and come do your Bible passing thing? Um, if you guys need a Bible tonight to read through the passage with us, or if you want one to take home with you, I'd love for you to raise your hand, just like Ryan is modeling for us right there. Thanks, Ryan, not to call you out or anything. Um, and while they pass out those Bibles, I am just going to pray. Don't feel bad about grabbing a Bible while I pray, okay? I think it's a great thing. Cool. So, Heavenly Father, um, thank you for bringing us here tonight, and thank you for being here with us. God, I ask that you would speak to each of us individually and that it would be your words that I say tonight and not my own. God, help us to truly hear what you have from us for us tonight and to not let it just go in one ear and out the other. Thank you, God. We love you. Amen. So I have a question for y'all. Do you want to love life? In general, do you want to love life? But specifically, in the midst of suffering, it's a great word to start off the message with. In the midst of suffering, do you want to learn to love life? Okay, I kind of figured the answer is yes, but thank you for clarifying. I don't know about you, but uh, in the midst of so much going on in this world, sometimes it's really hard for me to say that I love life. Living through a global pandemic and seeing the harsh divides in the world, even just having to adult, it's so easy for me to get caught up in everything. I can get so worn down from the day-to-day -day things of this world that I forget why I'm really here on this earth. And I forget how I'm supposed to be living. And it's times like those that I am so, so thankful that God did not just up and leave us hanging. He gave us super clear instructions for how to like live, laugh, love our way through this life, if you want to use the white girl phrase. 
In all of the distractions in life, God left us with plain and uncomplicated directions how to live rightly in the day-to-day. God knew that Peter's audience needed to hear how to live well during their circumstances, and I'm really grateful that we can look at that tonight, look at what Peter wrote to them, and learn from it as well for our circumstances. So without further ado, let's look at the Bible. Um, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. And I will absolutely give you guys time to flip, because I know I struggle finding 1 Peter. It's after James, by the way. Um, but yeah, pause for page flipping. Thanks for the Jeopardy theme, y'all. Very helpful. Okay, I'm going to choose to believe that everyone's there, and if not, you'll get there eventually. Okay. So, 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, against your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So what can we learn from all of this? There's such good stuff in this passage, you guys. But in it, Peter tells his audience how to live in the midst of the world's craziness, which for them specifically meant legitimate suffering. For us, we might not be persecuted like they were, but there's still clear things that we can take away about how to live all throughout this passage. For example, verse 9 says, don't do the instinctual thing when someone insults you and insult them back. Don't do that. But instead, if someone insults you, bless them. Do you guys find it easy to bless someone right after they've insulted you? I know I don't. Or verse 11, it says, turn from evil and do good, seeking peace instead. Verse 16 says, to live such a godly life that anyone who wants to slander you will instead become ashamed when they see your good deeds. 
it's like Melissa said several messages ago, Peter is always drawing a contrast between the world's way and God's way. People of the watching world don't know Jesus. If we claim to be Jesus followers, we are what they know and learn about Jesus. Therefore, we must, we must live in a way that correctly portrays Jesus to others. This is one of Peter's main themes throughout the whole book. Are you catching that yet? We are to live like Jesus did. Jesus didn't insult those who insulted him. Instead, he blessed them. Jesus didn't do evil, but he did good and even suffered for doing that good. He lived such a righteous life that his slanderers were put to shame. So, how are you doing? Are you living a life that contrasts the way of the world? How are you doing turning from evil? Are you seeking and pursuing peace? Are you blessing those who insult you? Now, that all might seem like it's too much or like it's too hard. It is. It's not, though, because we have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit on our side. Who better to help us because we can't do it alone? So how can we do better at those things? Well, verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. God wants to help. Like I said before, God didn't just create the world and then dip with like a peace out, you know? He not only gave us his word, but he listens to us daily. We have a constant open line of communication to God, and we just have to use it. God is the one who will help us live rightly and love our lives even in the midst of suffering and hard times. So how do we reach him and receive his help? Well, we also have Jesus. Verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Remember, this whole book is in the context of a community going through a lot of suffering and persecution. Peter reminds them that they are not alone. They're actually right where they're supposed to be, following in the footsteps of Jesus and his suffering. We as modern-day American Christians probably will never understand the type of suffering that the audience of this book was going through. However, we still obviously each have our struggles. And while it's not the same, that doesn't mean that this doesn't apply to us. Peter is trying to remind his audience about what Jesus had done, on, uh, done for them on the cross. He was trying to coach his people that prayer is the way to go at all times, but especially when you're struggling. And he was trying to remind them that Jesus understands the suffering that they were experiencing. So all of that, think about what struggles or suffering you might be experiencing right now. Do you truly believe that Jesus has gone before you and knows what you're going through? Do you truly believe that Jesus has gone before you and knows what you are going through? A verse that encourages me in that is Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, but he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I, I love that passage, you guys. The double negative in verse 15 might make it a tiny, tiny bit muddy, but it just means that Jesus knows. We have a high priest who empathizes with our weaknesses. He walked before us. He understands your struggles. He understands your suffering. He understands your temptation. So let's talk about that for a sec. If there's something coming to your mind right now, know that God wants you to lay it down. If you're struggling with a sin, pray. Talk to Jesus. Ask him to help you stop. Or if you're struggling with your mental health, just know that God's with you and he hears your prayers. His ears are attentive. If you feel alone or like there's a thousand things coming between you and God right now, know that that is not true. In every situation, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence to get help in our time of need. And this is so that we can keep that clear conscience or that clear head that Peter mentioned in verses 16 and 21, and it's so that we can live rightly. Remember that Jesus died on the cross for you, taking his sins upon himself, taking our sins upon himself. He did not sin. But he did that in order to bring you to God, like it says in verse 18. So how are you going to respond to that tonight? This passage tells us there's actually a lot of clear ways in which we ought to respond to that and ways that we should be living as God's people. We see in verse 8 that we should be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. And that's a lot. That's a tall order. But will God help us as a community be that kind of people? Absolutely. It's just like God was there helping the people that Peter was writing to as well. That's why he was saying these things, because Peter knew that God was there to help them, and he was trying to encourage them. Another way to respond to Jesus' sacrifice can be found in verse 15. It says that we should, in our hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you prepared to give an answer for the reason for your hope? Or would it actually occur to someone looking at your life to ask you that? Do, you, do your actions, do the actions in your life reflect an active hope in Jesus? If they don't right now, don't beat yourself up. Look to Jesus and see how you can do better. Ask him for help. Peter's goal in this passage is to encourage the believers through their suffering. He's reminding them that despite the circumstances, they've got access to Jesus Christ, the living hope. Peter's trying to encourage the suffering church. He uses things like the quote of Psalm 34 about how to love life and verse 15 to encourage them to set Jesus as the highest priority in their heart and to live obediently in that. He then, in verse 21, reminds them of their baptism in order to further encourage them that despite their suffering, they're on the right path. Because again, they were following in the steps of Jesus. 
And when I read that, that reminded me of Romans 6, 3 through 4, which says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That last part is super encouraging to me. We too may live a new life because we were baptized with Jesus. As Christians, we have a high priest who understands our struggles, who chose to die on the cross for us to bring us close to God, and who gives us hope as he walks with us through this life. We are called to live a new life led by Jesus. And again, if you're struggling in that, it's okay. Be encouraged. Remember that Jesus understands and he wants to help. He meets us wherever we are in this life, but he also loves us enough to call us out of that place into something better. So, what step are you going to take with Jesus this week in order to move toward living a new and more Jesus-centered life? I know that's a lot. I read it again. You got the slide. So what step are you going to take with Jesus this week in order to move forward, move towards living a new and more Jesus-centered life? It could be that you need to spend some time repenting of your sin. It could be that you need to do better loving others outwardly or even loving others inwardly. Maybe you need to be more compassionate. Maybe you need Jesus to help you humble yourself. So how can we live in a way that looks different from this world even in the midst of suffering? Ask God for guidance. And the Bible has plenty to say on this matter. Maybe for you, you need to dive into reading the Bible more than you already are right now. So in conclusion, we are told to live a life set apart from those who do not follow Christ. We're not told to live one that's like slightly to the left or mildly different from other people's lives, but we are told to live one that contrasts others. Our lives are to be lived in a way that others look at us, see Jesus, and ask us how they can have him too. We are to keep ourselves from getting sucked into culture and the way of the world, and we are to follow God's way instead. Life is hard, you guys. There's suffering in this world, and we encounter our own struggles on a daily basis. And we're told that it's not going to be easy. And we can expect that people are going to insult us or speak maliciously. And back then, they were doing even worse, like genuine persecution. But if we learn to truly trust and rely on Jesus and to walk in step with him, we will be walking with the living hope. And that is so encouraging to me. The hope that we have access to that is only found by walking in step with our Savior Jesus this hope will lead to far greater things than can be found in this world. So as the worship team comes up, I would love to paraphrase this passage like this. Whoever would love life and see good days, follow in the steps of Christ. Not because following in the steps of Christ will be all sunshines and rainbows, 
but because we have hope in what's to come for the next life. I want to leave you with some food for thought, a couple of questions that we'd love if you want to process and think over. The first being, how much do you let your suffering or your struggles come between you and God? How much do you let your suffering or struggles come between you and God? And then however much that is, how can you change that? What can you do to learn to lean into God instead in those times? The second question is, what can you do this week to solidify your hope in Jesus? What can you do this week to solidify your hope in Jesus?